The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. how you start a podcast. I just want to buy new sneakers after a song <laughs> like that. I don't know what it is. Gets me fired up. You know, I, um, I give you credit for, for you know, that, because that <laughs> makes me want to break things. It just makes me want to throw chairs and shit, you know? 
But uh, yeah, fun song, a great way to open up the podcast. Like I said, high energy stuff. That of course was uh, was Black Betty from Ram Jam uh, mm-hmm. that came out uh, back in 1977 on an album called, curiously enough, Ram Jam. Go figure. Yeah, but you know it's funny. The song itself has a ridiculous history. Um, it became popular again, obviously, in 2001 with the Johnny Depp film Blow, but mm-hmm. the first recording of the song dates all the way back to 1933 as a convict work song. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Nice. And uh, blues legend Lead Belly <laughs> did a version in 1939. Manfred Mann, of all hmm. bands. And his Earth Band? Yeah, the Earth Band, exactly. <laughs> yes. Did a version in 1968, but the definitive version, of course, is... Ram Jam's Jam. version, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, and we did that for a reason, did we not, John? Oh, we totally did that for a reason. Yes. Welcome, everybody. We're going to tell you right off the bat that this, in, in future generations, will quite possibly, you know, at the risk of copyright infringement, be known <laughs> as That 70s Show. Hells to the end. Because we are going back, 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 back. To that one hot mess of a decade. Oof, where everybody was sweaty. No matter what hair care products they used, everybody's hair was greasy. Mutton chops. (laughs) Mutton chops. The land of olive green and orange (laughs) shag carpeting. Yes, yes, and wide lapels. Ancient Chinese secrets. Formica was our favorite mineral. Yes, we're gonna we're going to eschew the uh, the rants of the uh, previous couple of couple of shows, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have fun tonight. We're gonna have fun with this topic. I know so I was fun. looking forward to this, and we've had so much fun making it already. Oh yeah, you know if we execute it half as well as we already have in our heads, <laughs> I think we're gonna get an Oscar or an Emmy or whatever, or a Grammy. Or, I think uh, a, 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 there there aren't any podcast awards. There that I'm aware aren't, of. and there should be. That's a glaring glaring uh, oversight. I right. think. Right. Like uh, okay, someone's got a gun in your head. What do you call the award? Um, the golden shot glass. Wow, that's good. I was gonna go with potty. Because <laughs> uh, most podcasts are shit. You see what I did there? Oh, yeah. We're starting right, already. We'll, all right, We're all starting right, already. Yeah, all okay. Right. We're on a roll now. But yes, as we said, it's all about the seventies. <laughs> now the first half is um well, well it's it's not just about the seventies though. And it's not all and, comedy. And no, it's not. It's it's about the funky parallels yes. that we discovered as we discussed this between the twenty twenties. Can we call this the Roaring Twenties, or has that been done? What do you think? It's been done. So this is like the... Freaked Out Twenties? Yeah, the, the Woke Twenties. The Screaming Twenties? The Woke? Uh, oh, don't call uh, it the Woke. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. Uh, don't no. go there, Johnny. Come on now. Well, whatever it is, it's not fun. But it's a funky parallel. Mm-hmm. I like that, that you keep saying funky. Yeah. Which is in and of itself a so, callback to the 70s. Yeah, totally. If, <laughs> if there's any decade you know, in the history of mankind that just is... The epitome of funky. Sure, it's the 1970s. It's better than queer because we can't say that now anyway. We can't. It no, might trigger it's one of those words. Trigger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You big dummy. Don't ever listen to this podcast if you have triggers, folks, because we're going to hit every one of them. Every one of them, especially and we're tonight. Gonna, we're going to do it on purpose, too, and we're going to have fun so doing it too. Yes, we are. Oh. So that but being yeah, said, crazy, crazy parallels between that decade and this. Right, and we've got a couple written down that we're going to talk about, so Michael, why don't you do the honors and just jump right in. Well, the first one that, that occurred to me, obviously, with the skyrocketing energy prices. Yes. Um, you know, for those of us who actually have memories that date all the way back to the 1970s, mm-hmm. you know, there were the, the, the gas lines and the oil embargoes and that craziness yep. and the cost of electricity, like, blowing the roofs off of houses all over the country. Sure. And I don't know about you, but I actually got a letter, I want to say it was back eh, probably August or September, from my local electric company saying, get ready, because oh, yeah. the skyrocketing cost of electricity over this winter is going to blow the roof off your house. Yeah, they're going to just double their... And literally, that's what they did with me. They doubled my electric rates. Yeah, literally. Quite literally. And, and made no like, apologies whatsoever. Yeah, pay, pay for it or freeze your ass off. Was, exactly. That's how the letter yeah. came across. So yeah, crazy, crazy parallel there. Fortunately, we don't have... Uh, and I'm sure you remember the, the actually before we go there, we what should are tell your, people. Huh? We should tell people like our age no. range as it applies to the show. Well, let's just we were both very young. Yeah, there we go. Undoubtedly, very young. Let's just cop to the fact that we can remember the 1970s. Yes, we did exist in the 70s. Yeah, but uh, but what are some of your earliest memories of the 1970s, Johnny? Well, yeah. like I said, the the aforementioned. Um, I've always been an, an artistic kind of person, so that's what I recognize first. Yeah. I remember a whole lot of green. Um, and we had moved into my 
parents' house, like the only house I've ever really known, yeah. home, air quotes. Yeah. And uh, they bought the house new, and every room had, well, almost every room, if not uh, like a laminate flooring right. down there, right. they had carpet, and everybody back then had the same carpet. It was, it was sculpted. <laughs> so you would look at the carpet, and it was like little little islands, little raised nuggets throughout. Yeah. Was it shag and a funky green color? Well, it wasn't so much shag. That you had to have like custom done. Right. But this, this carpet, it, it, I guess they use it in all the houses that were made within 70 to 73. Okay. okay. Yeah. And primary colors were big. So <laughs> yes, the true. living room area had olive drab. Yes. Okay. Yes. The bedrooms all had a tan version. Uh-huh. And one room in the house that for some reason my sister and I always thought was haunted or at the very least a little bit creepy. Yeah. They put blood red carpeting in. What? Right. Wow. And because of that, it was always known as the red room. Red room. Red room. <laughs> so in high school, going through my Greg Brady phase, looking yeah. to move into something, I don't know, a square foot bigger than the room I grew up in, <laughs> I moved into the red room. Nice. And after a week or so, I was convinced that there were no ghosts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I will suggest, I rarely do this, but I will pass along to our listeners yeah. a, uh, a Facebook group that I belong to okay. called Plaid Stallions. <laughs> what? Do yourself a favor and, 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 and join this group because the 70s flashbacks, they show pages from different catalogs, whether it's you know toys, appliances, fashions, which are just gold, <laughs> yep, yep. and home furnishings. I mean, carpeted bathrooms were, were like the, the au regaire. Yeah. Like, why would you ever put carpet in a bathroom when it's just damp and disgusting for, for, Yeah, fortunately we got over that. But yeah, I do remember that being a thing. <laughs> just a thing. And butterfly collars out the gazoo, double-knit suits. I mean... Yeah, the you, fashion you was it. crazy. Right. Was I mean, that could be crazy. a show on, on its own. There, so. were, there were many, many <laughs> occasions where I dug out old pictures of my parents yep. and held it up and... Literally blasted them with a "What were you thinking?" Exactly kind of deal, yep. you know, with the leisure suits and, and I, again the mutton chops. Oh yeah, you know, that crazy shit. And my sister would do that to my parents as of late, as they're getting into their golden seventies and eighties. Might as well torture them now. Yeah, yeah. Pulled out pictures like when they first met and what they dressed and looked like as two young professionals back <laughs> in the day. And then she's no. like, "Okay." And then here you got married and had me and Johnny. What the hell happened? Yeah, and. You could just start with the fashions. It's just... Oh, yeah. Just damn. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but, getting back on point. Yes. Yeah, the funky parallels between then and now. So let's take a serious one. Okay? All right. I would throw out civil rights unrest. Yes. You know, we had a lot of that, obviously, over the last year or two with BLM um, riots. Um, the 70s were known for uh, domestic terrorism, Coming from the left, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, SLA, the Patty Hearst crew, yep. you know, the k- kidnapped her, the Weather Underground. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know a lot of uh, folks on the right, a lot of Republicans, would equate Antifa with domestic terrorism. I don't quite feel that way. You and I have debated this point quite frequently. Well, you don't believe Antifa exists. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Oh no, they exist. They have a website. I, I discovered that. Recently. Oh, that makes they, totally exactly. Yeah. So they they are a real thing. But uh, oh my. But yeah, I mean, you know, if if you look back at the last year or two, and you know, you see metro areas on fire, mm-hmm. kind of harkens back to the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it really and it's does. it's again like all these parallels we're going to draw, folks, aren't exact. It's not an exact science. Not at all. We're just throwing it out to the uh, to the gallery, if you will, because there are so many striking. Parallels. Now, yeah. Here's one that I was going to throw out. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by saying this might be just perception. Yeah. But that of a weak president. An elderly, weak president who's not fit for the many challenges that are coming at us right now. And, of course, in the 70s, we had Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Not, who, ex- not, not exactly elderly, but obviously anyone who studied history or anybody who had actually lived through the Carter administration... As much as he is regarded now as a brilliant man and a, a supremely good man, yeah, he was clearly not ready for the things that yeah. that jumped his administration. We needed a, a cutthroat bastard in the office. In that, in that particular stretch of time. And unfortunately, these things are always easier to see in retrospect. Right. Well, we had just drummed out a cutthroat bastard. Yeah. And then had his stunt double in Gerald Ford. <laughs> yeah, which was insane when you think about 1972. Nixon won... The presidential election over George McGovern, 
by the biggest margin in history. It was mm-hmm. it was the very definition of a landslide, which brings up to me another parallel to that er- that era that we're experiencing now, the whole question of legalization of marijuana. Now, anybody that knows about 1972 knows that one of the things that the right beat McGovern to death with was the rumor that he wanted to legalize marijuana. Kind of funny how that has come up again. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's one of a number of different parallels, obviously. Another one is the abortion controversy. You know, Roe v. Wade was 1973. That has come up again. Obviously, another big thing that's in the news, the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, let's pause on that a second, because what we had in the 70s was almost a, uh, when, it, when it came to China, it was like a, a, a detente of sorts, because we had them as this giant communist nation yeah. who we weren't on the best of terms with, but it was more like we were ignoring each other until Nixon went and had these historic accords with them. Yeah. The boogeyman at the time was Russia. Which, ironically, we had a proxy war with them then, we have a proxy war exactly. with them now. Exactly. And the thing was, at least then, Russia and China couldn't stand each other. Yeah, it's you know, true. and yeah. Nostradamus was still saying that it was going to be, you know, us and Russia against China at some point, which yeah. I don't think that's going to happen now. Yeah, but yeah, they, so those two would almost, with the same um, ideologies, would keep each other at bay. Yeah. Now we don't have that, but yet it's almost like China has supplanted Russia Very much as so. the number two kid on the block, if not equal to us. And yes, we are smack dab in the middle of a Cold War as well as a proxy war with Russia over Ukraine. Yeah. And again, look, I'm not going to overly simplify and say, you know, if we had a different president in office, things would be much easier. I'm just drawing attention to the parallels of the many instances where, and, and not just Joe Biden, this isn't pick on Joe Biden day, but just the administration seems to always be playing catch up with these things as they're happening. Tough to, tough to say, you know, the perception of things. These are, again, always easier to see in retrospect. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that is uh, glaringly wrong now with this era that wasn't the case back in the 70s was we had trust in mass media back in the 70s. We yes, had Walter we Cronkite. Because they were our friend yeah. against the juggernaut of government, which we couldn't trust as far as we could throw. Yeah. But and now we don't even have that. No, now we find out, you know, courtesy of this whole Twitter mess, that government has actually been shaping the message coming from mass media, yep. shaping the narrative. And yeah, this, you know, well, this actually leads to a parallel, a crisis of faith mm-hmm. in our government. We had a crisis of faith in the government in the 1970s, courtesy of what we learned about Vietnam and then, of course, Watergate. Mm-hmm. These days we have a crisis of faith. Not just in the government, which is the glaringly obvious thing, but a crisis of faith in institutions in general. Yeah. You know? And the country as a whole, and you saw this especially in in the latter half of the 70s, we had to play catch-up in peacetime, which is something this country has never been really, let's say, good at. Yeah. Normally, there's a war. We fire up this massive industrial military complex and start churning out the weapons of war. But we found ourselves at the tail end of the 70s you know, as it pertains to energy, look at the cars, okay? Yeah. They were still giant floating boats <laughs> with, like, no <laughs> style or design whatsoever. Yeah. With yeah. the exception of the American muscle car. That's when they had their heyday. Yeah. But if you look at the average car that everybody had in the driveway, whether it was a Chevy Impala or a Buick La Behemoth or whatever they yeah. were putting out at yeah. the time. I, I heard a term, and I'm going to like indulge in my gratuitous F-bomb now, the Ford Fuck You Mobile. Okay, that's the you only know, one you're getting we, today. <laughs> this is the 70s. We, it's the we, family show. We can't... <laughs> is it really? Yes. Damn, okay. I thought we had a... No, never mind. <sighs> uh, but yeah, we have this, like, that goes... Ex- it seems with every generation now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to come up with the, you know, tank that runs, you know, on electricity now. It right. hasn't happened yet. Elon Musk, where are you when we need you? Uh-huh. You know, but sooner or later we're going to come up with the new Fu Mobile. Sure, that's going to run on electricity. It's inevitable. We're and Americans. Even in, you know, even you know? in the seventies, the cars, as a result of this dilemma, were so fun. Yeah. Exhibit A. Okay. The Gremlin. <laughs> oh no! Get a load of this, folks. It says here, a constant menace to pilots are the gremlins who wreck planes with their diabolical sabotage. 
Oh, because we're going to we, go there. Right, because oh, our, our best and brightest minds could not just come up with that magic bullet for a small <laughs> economical car that wouldn't explode if you hit it, yeah. looking at you, Pinto. Yeah. But back to the Gremlin. Did you know, my friend, yes. that there was a model Gremlin called the Levi's Edition? Get out. All the upholstery was denim. Wow. And actually had copper rivets in the seats. Now, could you imagine sitting your bare ass on that in August? I think, I think John Stewart brand you. <laughs> had the, John Stewart had the greatest line in regards to the Gremlin. It acted as birth control for young oh, yes, males. Yes. If you drove one of those, you weren't getting any kids. You <laughs> but let's not stop leg. there. Let's no. not stop okay. there. How about the AMC Pacer? Oh God. Which, if you look at it, how did we live through this? Well, because they just kept trying, That's and it was—it was they were spitting out some interesting vehicles, <laughs> especially God bless them, American Motors, which just jumped in my head because I had the the fortune of in my constant watching of old James Bond movies, right? Watching uh, Live and Let Die, nice, as well as Man with the Golden Gun, yes. and apparently in those two movies. Um, the Broccoli family must have had a contract with AMC Motors. So those are the only cars you really see people driving. <laughs> Bond does not have the Austin Martin or a Jaguar or anything else. He's driving like an AMC, I don't even know what it was, with J.W. Pepper. F.G.W. Pepper. That's a painful thought. <laughs> That's a painful thought. But not to see, yeah, look, AMC made the Javelin. They came out with that car that lasted a couple uh, the years. The Javelin, Jesus. The Eagle, that. which was the first... Technically, SUV, because it was the car with four-wheel drive and had the wood paneling on the sides and shit. Yeah. Right? That was actually in Moonraker. Wow. (laughs) All right, got to get up to Bond. I was going to say, Jesus. But it was such a sense of we didn't know who we were as a society. Yeah. And so much, like, by hook or by crook, so much fun shit came as a result of that. Yeah. Okay? Most of which we'll cover in the second half of today's episode. <laughs> indeed, because indeed. we still have some of these parallels to get through. Well, I will cop to one thing. Okay. And I can say this now because I'm many, many years past it. My very first car was a 1973 Ford Maverick. Wow. Yeah. My father had bought one of those. And I Did remember really? taking one long trick with him. Yeah. Probably to go show his mom, hey, look at my new car. Yeah. He was one of the many that bought the bill of goods from Ford saying that that was the next Mustang. Oh, dear Lord. He, he got it in olive drab, right? <laughs> no. Military man that he was, got an olive oh. drab. And I remember taking one trip with him as a lad to Brooklyn to show my grandmother Ugh. and come back. On the way back, he didn't say a word. You could almost tell <laughs> the mile marker on the Garden State Parkway where he realized, what did I friggin' buy? Oh, God. Now? Johnny, I apologize for bringing up that memory. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, uh, but hey, to be fair, I see you and raise you. My first car, okay, a 1972 yes. Oldsmobile F85, which was a variant on the Cutlass. Ooh, not variant for any other reason that I can discern, except they wanted a cooler name. <laughs> right. Same, you know, 350 motor had a semi-posi rear, so yeah. it, was, it was a great first car to have. Yeah, oh, Cutlass. I mean, that's got a nice ring to it. Yep. I don't know what the hell a cutlass is. It's a sword. A is pirate that what it sword. Is? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> Benefits of Dungeons and Dragons. Indeed, Thank you. indeed. But you know what? Our parents stuck us intentionally in cars from the seventies because if nothing else, they were indestructible. I think my old man did that on purpose. Oh, if yeah. I remember correctly, that Maverick it well, it was made from actual metal. Better. Stronger. Faster. As opposed to which we found out years later is why the gas mileage sucked in most Exactly, <laughs> and, the, and the, the transmission imploded at 75,000 <laughs> miles and shit. And yeah, you brake pads, you go through brake pads every 50 miles. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, if you hit something in that thing, you were going through it. Yeah. You know? And yes, I did, as a matter of fact, go out and get sheepskin seat covers for it. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, we had a cassette player, you know, at the stereo. Now, what color was your Maverick? Blue. Oh, Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. A- interior? Stuff. Was interior blue as well? Because they were big uh, on that and mono. Until I put the white, she- white sheepskin seat covers I got you. on. I yes, got you. it was. Yeah, it my was. F-85 was ivory on the outside. Ivory, all right. olive drab inside. <laughs> <laughs> what was the 70s obsession with I, olive drab? I just don't know. Good Lord. You know, I, I think I might know what it was, what? and I'm going to pivot and okay, dig this pivot because this is this is my wheelhouse, <laughs> kids. The drugs we were on then oh, versus the drugs we are on now. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was in this shit, man. Mostly Maui Wowie, man. Yeah? 
but it's got some Labrador in it. <laughs> I've always found it fascinating, though, you know, how each era is marked by what drugs are popular. And it's a funny parallel. In the 70s, you know, which was, I think, obviously a reaction from the 60s, heroin, cocaine, and quaaludes, very popular. Uh, these days, fentanyl, Adderall, and Xanax. Hmm. Funny parallels. How okay, so? I, I've stunned Johnny. On <laughs> yeah, this, I'm like, Johnny, where's this he going? Is, with Johnny this? has no clue what I'm talking about. I know he's satisfied with himself because he got to talk about drugs, but where's he <laughs> going with this? <laughs> and of course, always, you know, the in the in the the background is the marijuana thing, like All right, I alluded Cheech. to earlier. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Cheech and Chong were very popular in the 1970s with their whole marijuana line of humor. This is true. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, just the, the funny parallels, funny aspects, funny characteristics of each generation. Yep. Um, but uh, but I think, you know, in all honesty, the the drug thing is a lot of what para, what powered the music thing. I really think that the the two are kind of hand in hand, in a lot of ways. Again, that might be a subject for another day because there's a lot to be said for that. Well, yeah, there's a voluminous number of one-hit wonders mm-hmm. that you really have to be high to appreciate. I'm yes. sorry. And that's why we chose for our gems today. And yes. yes, by the grace of God, it's time for a gem <laughs> to showcase. Johnny's got a big uh, uh, sign flashing bail. Don't, don't even bail. take him behind the fourth wall. But no, I'm, I'm 100% <laughs> behind this particular gem. I absolutely love this song. Um, you know, if you were alive in that era, you have fond memories of the summertime yep. in the 70s. And uh, what do we got, Johnny? Hit us. Well, we're going to hit these people overhead with an earworm amongst earworms. We're yes. going with a little tune by Vanity Fair called Hitchin' a Ride. Damn. And we're going to play it for you now. We'll be right back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff.
fun <laughs> tune. And it's going to be stuck in my brain for the next week. Thank you, John. Right? It makes you want to wear shorts with a stripe down the side that are way too short. Doesn't it, though? Uh, let's say calf-high white socks with matching stripes going around them. Unless, you're, of course, you're running down the beach, you know. <laughs> no, even with that. Even with that, yeah. yeah. With socks on? Oh, okay. totally. Because, right. of course, you got to wear your, your uh, Chuck Taylors on top of that. Absolutely. Standard uniform for any 70s kid. Nice. The only thing making it better is if you're riding a big wheel, but... Uh, no, but no, that's another. That that's a topic episode, for another. Right? Time. Yeah. Tell us about that song, Johnny. Well, that little ditty by Vanity Fair yeah. uh, is, of course, called "Hitching a Ride." Um, came out in 1970, right here in the states, and actually uh, on the Billboard Top 100, hit number five. Wow! Yeah, so it was a catchy tune for everybody. Well, that was the funny thing about. So many of these one-hit wonders of the yep. '70s is they really, really posted high. Yeah, and you're wondering, you know, why didn't the band have a follow-up to it? Why didn't they have something yeah, they else? They spent that money, sir. I know. And I know, that, it's the, crazy. the fun thing about that song is that not only does it feature the cowbell prominently, <laughs> but also <laughs> the recorder, nice. the, that useless flute they made you play in elementary school. That's what that, song, music that class, sound right? was. Yeah. Uh, not not the electric recorder, mind you, just yep. the the analog recorder. Yeah. Uh, every guy in the band, of course, had the token ascot, which yes, I think was did. like the uniform of the seventies. Absolutely. A dynamite. And just 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 damn, but it it, it works. Yeah. It's a fun yeah, little tune, yeah, so that's why we picked yes, it. It is. And you know, I got to say about the nineteen seventies and music, there was a progression of music in the nineteen seventies that we we did not see before. Have not seen since. Doubt we will ever see again. Mm -hmm. uh, the era started off with hard rock, glam rock. It progressed into southern rock. You had a dose of reggae with Bob Marley in the mid-'70s. It kind of paralleled the punk rock explosion. Mm -hmm. uh, they went from there into funk, disco, and then capped off the whole decade with new wave. Yeah, you know, that's an amazing, amazing progression. It was, yeah, and and just to further your point, probably you know more than any decade I get to go off the top of my head. The 70s was a progression. There was a starting line and yeah. a finish line. And the way it dipped into those different musical genres that had become so popular, and, and an easy one to look at is disco, which became the lay of the land almost overnight yeah. and met a violent end, like a yeah. dictator <laughs> normally does. It, it got too popular too quickly. And it just blew up, and people yeah. just became anti Disco. Yeah, it was crazy how that happened. And it's sad because there were a lot of good kicking disco oh, songs, man. truth be told. Oh, you know? God. I still have fond memories of like Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yep. And and it really was a progression from funk. Yeah. You know, it had those elements to it. And, you know, I got to say the, 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 uh, the fashion that was associated with it. I mean, a lot of people think... And I think it's probably justified that at that point in time, people would just had it with bad news. Yeah. You know, it's like, we just want to go out and dance. Yep. You know, we want to snort cocaine, do quaaludes, and dance. And dance all night. You know, right. that was when Studio 54 blew up. Yep. You know, and out of that, we had a very, very interesting progression in music with New Wave. Mm -hmm. You know, and being from Boston, a big fan, of course, of the Cars, which to me were the epitome of New Wave. Right. You know? And the thing that was so great about it, and, and this might be because of the advent of stereo systems in the home. Yes. Like really good stereo systems where yeah. you started getting those rack units and you had to keep adding to it and yep. adding to it. Yep. And it's kind of like this, I'm sorry, forgive me world for the analogy, <laughs> but in the same way that the VHS cassette players popularized porn in a household <laughs> and reached out to the masses, yeah, yeah listen, yeah, follow through. Yeah, all right. You know, these, these home stereo systems Along with, of course, the headphones, the advent yes. of headphones. That was that was so 1970s with the headphones. Yep. Yep. And you could just lose yourself in that without disturbing the entire family. Yep. And all of a sudden, you know, now you're going through a store, you're buying these records, you're bringing them home and just zoning out with, yeah. with these tunes. Yeah. That's why we had so much, I mean, variety. Yeah. And music, unlike today, you could go in any store, whether it be Kmart, Sears, uh, Tower Records, an actual music store, Sam yeah. Goody. Yeah, they everybody had a giant music section. It's yes. like you had to have it. And and another lost art, the album covers. Of course, you, you know? stuff to look at as well as you know listen to and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I remember you know going to the store with mom. Yep. You know, back in the day, whether it was Kmart or Mammoth Mart or any <laughs> one of these marts that came uh -huh. and went, and mom went this way to go look at. 
you know, back to school clothes or whatever. And I went to the music section sure. to look, to just gaze at the album covers and yep. just just imagine, you know. You talk about things that trigger your imagination. Do you remember, like, the covers of Kiss Alive yep. and Kiss Alive 2 or Boston? Or just Start and Stop at Bad Out of Hell. If that there wasn't, like, go. the ultimate oh album cover, yes. you know. Yes, And you're like, if I listen to this, I'll be like that guy on the motorcycle <laughs> bursting out of the grave. Yes. You know, maybe. That was the Or e- Queen, News of the World. Wow. I mean, just yeah. iconic, iconic. Album covers. Well, they were they were not just iconic, but they were art. Yes, you know there was there was a thought process. I mean, do you remember the the controversy that Led Zeppelin call, caused yep. <laughs> with a lot of their album covers? And what in the hell does this mean? Or Pink right. Floyd? Uh-huh. You know, it was like you know the interpretations and whatnot. And a lot of these artists were great. They would put it out there and they would say nothing. Sure, and it was just like let the public go crazy oh, yeah. with trying to interpret what this meant, yep. you know, or that meant, or whatever. You know, but like, yeah, the the album cover in particular, Houses of the Holy. Yeah, with like, those kids what? walking on the rocks. Yeah. yeah, it was like, what in God's name does that mean? Yep. You know, and of course, you know, it triggered the Christian right. They freaked yep. out. And something you had mentioned to me uh, off, off uh, well, not camera, but off mic, um, the rise of the double albums. Yes. Like Saturday Night Fever. Frampton Comes Alive. Frampton Comes Alive, the Grease soundtrack, yep. right at the tail end of the decade. Yeah. These things were like, you know, I, I think my mother and my sister all had duplicate copies of all those albums. <laughs> so believe me, if one wasn't playing it, the other one was. Yes, yes. And it, yeah, it was a, a thing where you'd go out and you'd buy this thing. And I remember, you know, Christmas days, like ripping the plastic, yeah. you know, off it and opening up the album and trying to figure out what in the hell this meant. After you smelt it. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd have lyrics in there and you'd be like, oh yep, God, yep. you know, and this and that. And I'm sorry, but something has been lost. You know, has very truly, much been lost. An art form has gone by the wayside yep. because they put thought into this. They put money into this. Yep. You know, and and I'm sorry, you don't get that with downloads or you know Spotify or whatever. Right. It just you, there's nothing there. You All know? right. So let's get to the crux of it now. Okay. It wasn't yes. so much about music, but it was what we wanted to discuss was the um, the variety shows, the music shows. Well, the prevalence of of music on TV. Yes. And how. Yeah, we knew the variety shows in the 70s were huge, Mm -hmm. but when we stopped for a moment to think of some of the more famous ones, we realized how many famous ones there were. Oh, absolutely stunning. And so many of them, it's kind of funny, came and went in a season or two. Yep. You know, well, we and still remember them in our head because whoever was somebody at the time Mm -hmm. would find their way onto these shows, these variety shows. Yeah. So we broke it up. Each of us got three that, for whatever reason, really stuck in our head. So why don't you go first, sir? Okay. Uh, absolutely. And it, it's funny because a lot of these shows came with the scandalous behavior of staying up late. Yeah. You know, talking the babysitter <laughs> into letting you stay up late, you know, because she was busy in the, ro- in the other room talking to her boyfriend on the telephone or right, whatever, right. you know, or sneaking out in the backyard <laughs> to smoke a joint or whatever. And you would con her into letting you stay up late to watch these shows. And that was a hallmark, you know, that was a, a badge of honor, I think, was these shows came out at 11 o'clock or 11.30 at night and whatever. And the first one, of course, that comes to mind to me was Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, All right. which started back in 1973, actually ran until 1980. And it was one of those shows where if you were an up-and-coming band, you know, to land a spot, you know, on Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. So they had multiple acts there? Oh, yeah, they had, every, you know, like many of these shows, it was a who's who of who was coming up at that time, right. you know? And Kirshner was coming off of, he had a, uh, a show prior to it called In Concert, mm-hmm. which featured live, live stuff, live videos right. and whatnot. And this was pre-MTV, you know? So the videos weren't that common. They were kind of hard to come by. Right. So he had the In Concert stuff. And again, this was one of those shows that came and went in a year or two. And he immediately followed it up with Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, which again lasted until... 1980, hmm. and it was a who's who of who was making it happen back in the day. Right. You Is know? there one act in particular you remember seeing on that that stuck with you? Um, there were a lot of acts just because of the fashion and whatnot right. that that jumped out. Um, but I got to say, Rolling Stones. Yeah. Well. You know, because it wasn't. Again, this was pre MTV, so you didn't see these bands a sure, lot. You sure. know, you saw them in magazines. Maybe you saw splashy pictures and this and that. But to see them playing. Right. Was a treat. It was it was something that that was just you know wow you yeah. know and that's another thing that's been lost is the mystery you mm-hmm. know around the bands that these shows well because there's, there's instant gratification now 
Yeah. You can get any song you want to hear that's ever been made within yeah. seconds just going online. Yeah. There, yeah. There's no, everything instant gratification. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's something that, again, has been lost. Yeah. Whereas back then, I mean, shit, I remember as a kid, there was like this, this bounty out there yeah. to anybody to get a picture of Kiss without their makeup. Yes. Remember I that whole remember thing? That. Yeah. And that, that, that feeling, again, that came with watching something late at night, you yep. felt like you were getting away with something. You yeah. know, when you were, when you were a kid, that was like, oh, that was cool. You or, know? As, as a lot of the shows like to do, they would find an excuse to put these musical acts, even sometimes in the middle of a sitcom, okay? Yeah. Like, uh, well, Kiss had that uh, Paul Lynn Halloween special. <laughs> yes, that was their yes. big, you know, unveiling to the world. Oh, yeah. I do remember, I have a very clear memory of them playing Firehouse. Yep. You know, with the flashing <laughs> lights and the yep. flame, and it was just like, wow, you know? Yeah, it was, yeah, you know, of all the bands of that era that just blew your face off, you know, Kiss playing live was just yeah, a well, synonymous with the 70s. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, in my, in my house, I don't know if you experienced this, but Kiss was banned. You couldn't have My parents bought Kiss me a Kiss album for, for Christmas. I oh, think yeah? it, was, it was either the first or second album I owned. Because <laughs> oh, nice. my dad, I think it was Dynasty. So it was just the four spot of them with their makeup. Yep. He knew me. He's like, oh, my kid, he probably thinks they're superheroes or something. So he just bought it without even thinking <laughs> twice. Well, I think my parents <laughs> might have bought in a whole Satan Satanist right, thing right. about Kiss, that rumor. That, that nice and Satan service. Yeah, that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Well, my, my first one, I will admit, I never saw an episode of this. Yeah. While I was I was younger, but I, I'm fully aware of it now. Okay. And in my research on different music for the station and everything, I always see clips of this online. Yeah. And it was the old Grey Whistle Test. Nice. Which was a BBC program. Yes, it was. Who also had, I mean, everybody on this thing. And I think it was you who would ask me, well, John, I'd be really impressed if you figure out what the old Grey Whistle Test is. <laughs> well, since you asked. Give it to us, John. It was a term they used. It was derived from when the uh, the heads of the show uh-huh. would play these new groups to the uh, the doormen of the building of the studios, which is, who would wear these gray suits, right? Yeah, yeah. And if they could remember it the next day and whistle it, it passed the gray whistle test. No kidding. Wow. So that's where that comes from. So wow. any I remember that were earworms that stuck in their head. Yeah. Boom. Those were the acts that they booked on there. Yeah. And they had a lot of you know because that ran from seventy one actually through eighty eight. Yeah. But what I always see online, which kind of separates them from the other shows of the genre, yeah, is a lot of new wave and a lot of punk rock. Right. Because the Brits, they don't give a shit. Yeah. They don't have the same you know sensitivities we do. Yeah, and it's like, well, throw it out there, see if the kids like it. Yeah. Whereas here, even with like Dick Clark, everything was so sanitized. Yeah, we we see so. this now. We didn't know it then, but we, we we see it now. Yeah, I just remember the host of the old gray whistle test being the epitome of a cool <laughs> dude. You know, he spoke barely above a you know a right. monotone low. I remember him interviewing Keith Richards, and obviously, like hammered Keith Richards, you know, and talking to him. It was like, oh, Keith is this. He's a heavy guy, you know, <laughs> and everything between him was heavy, and it was just like that is so cool, right? And, you know, it's so British. You know, All right, what do you got? Uh, well, coming right off of Don Kirshner's rock concert, the obvious number two is the Midnight Special. Yes, and so many, so many, just stunning memories of that. The first one that jumps to my mind is Fleetwood Mac. Yep, uh, when Stevie and, and Lindsay first joined the band, them coming on and doing their thing. Um, the big one, of course, was. You know, the unveiling of Stevie Nicks doing Rhiannon and just like jaw dropping. Right. Just like, oh my God, what did we just see? And I you remember know? seeing the cars on them. Yes. As well as some like Earth, Wind, and Fire type oh, yeah. acts on there. Because it was, yeah, it was nice and varied. But yeah, that was an American original. And I would even, I haven't done it yet, but I would even consider shelling out the money for the DVD collection of the whole show. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the, one of the coolest things about it is, is it progressed with the music. It went yeah. on until 1981. So I remember seeing like Casey and the Sunshine Band on uh-huh. there, and the, you know the bands of the disco era of the late '70s on there. And again, you know, as a kid watching this stuff, it always felt like I was getting away with something because again, <laughs> it was it was late night TV, adult theme. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah, you know, I got the cool babysitter that you know let us stay up and watch this stuff. You know, all right. So what do you got for number two, John? All right, keep things rolling along on more of a child centric tip. Yeah, I uh, anyone who's listened to the show on a station Saturday morning seventies know of my affinity for a little thing called Schoolhouse Rock, <laughs> yes. or as I call it, 
efficient teaching. There we go. And uh, yeah, Schoolhouse Rock actually aired from 73 to 84. Uh, but what we all remember are the 42 original episodes yeah. dealing with geography, mathematics, which is how the show got spawned in the first place. Yeah. Because one of the um, original creators of it, his son was having a hard time learning his multiplication tables. Right. And truth be told, that's how I learned them, too. My parents had the set of 45s. Yeah. And I still, oh my God, I'm talking about earworms. Five times five is 25. Because <laughs> the guy had, of course, a southern accent. So of I guess course, that makes learning easier. But yeah, that, that's how I learned. Well, my my prevailing memory of Schoolhouse Rock was I'm just a bill. You know, oh yeah, I'm oh yeah, only a bill. And oh, this man. might surprise you, or it might not surprise you, that the early champion of this series to get on the air yeah. was a young vice president at ABC, name of Michael Eisner. Oh, now no running kidding. Disney yet yes, again. Disney Michael Eisner. Yeah. So hey, yep. the guy's got his finger on the pulse. He did back then at yeah. least. Yeah, man had insight. He had insight. Yeah. Now clearly, my favorite uh, Schoolhouse Rock was the one black exploitation episode, okay. which was all about adverbs. Okay. And if you ever see it, you're like, wow, he's right. <laughs> I mean, they were all good. They're all they're all earworms that stick in your head, and it was well, that one and the one about the rabbit in outer space that sounded like like a David Bowie song. Well, you know, you talk about the black exploitation thing. The shows back then, particularly education shows, weren't afraid to go there. Right. You know, I remember Sesame Street and the Electric Company. Whatever connected with the kids, that's yeah. all they cared about. You know? Do you remember uh, Easy Reader? No. Nope. Um, who was? Uh, I believe it was Morgan Freeman. That did okay, that on okay. the electric company oh, yeah, way back yeah. then. He was just a smooth that was his dude. Yep. Yeah, you know, they weren't afraid back then to go there. You know, right. now they get just shredded with yeah. you know cultural appropriation or whatever <laughs> bullshit. You know, it's coming out of that side. But back then, it was cool, man. You know, so right, anyway, what's, what's your big banger? Is, is this your number one? Ultimate, now? yes, it is. Oh, boy. The ultimate get. If you were a kid <laughs> in the 1970s and you got up, got to got to stay up to see this. Saturday Night Live. Live from New York, it's Saturday Night! Yeah, truth. You know? Truth. I mean, you know, the debut episode, I believe, was hosted by George Carlin, yep. who was extremely controversial back then. Richard Pryor. Yep. I think Richard Pryor was the, the one that spawned the, the seven-minute delay <laughs> because they had no faith that Richard wasn't going to drop F-bombs on right. live TV, you know? But the thing that was great, I mean, beyond the not-ready-for-primetime players, you know, the amazing talents of Belushi and Aykroyd and, and yep. Gilda Radner and, and, and those guys, was the musical yeah, guest, yeah. you know? I mean, anybody who's anybody back then, I mean, I remember somebody, David Bowie, you know, doing the shocking thing, you know? I remember Mick Jagger going on there with Peter Tosh, yep. you know, and doing their thing. I mean, just... Like I said, anybody who was anybody in that era. And it was just, it was, again, you know, the ultimate get yeah. when you were a little kid. It's, it was scandalous that you saw this. And yeah. you talk about it Monday when, you know, you got to you see Saturday Night you know. I was forced to go to bed. I didn't see it. What happened, you know? And just, yeah, just the, the just unbelievable guess. I mean... Paul Simon yep. was a regular back. Simon and Garfunkel. Yep, I think you know? he was. Paul Simon was the first musical guest. Was that he? they had? Yep. You may very well have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just that was groundbreaking in so yeah. many different and ways. And it's a formula that they've kept to this day. They have. And unfortunately, they're still experiencing the same fall off. <laughs> so by the time the second performance of the musical artist comes on. You, you, if, if you want to listen to that, great. But after that, just shut it off because yeah. the last three skits are going to be horrible. <laughs> but you know, hey, I I don't like the way it's gotten too one-sidedly political over the years. Yeah, but there's no denying that. Yeah, I mean, shit, top well, again, of the mountain. Yeah, I I agree with you. The political humor is kind of particularly these days overwrought. But again, you know what rescues it. You know, week after week is the musical yep. guest. And know? it's funny how the musical guest, more than the guest hosts, over an expanse of time, there have been both, but I do believe there's been uh, more musical guests that have been banned after one <laughs> performance than any of the guest hosts. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah Sinead O'Connor. Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello, exactly. Oh, oof. I it was at least it, a kind more. of a badge of honor for a lot of these bands. Right, exactly. To get banned from Saturday Night Live. That became, that's promotable, yep. you know, right yep. there, you know. But yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, my number one comes in much more wholesome than yours. <laughs> all right. Because I speak to all of America, not you do. just the drug addled and bitter. Yeah, this is also true. Oof. <laughs> I'm going to go with, because I have to. I have to go with Donnie and Marie. <laughs> because, look, hear me out. 
I mean, what was more 70s than Donnie Murray? Oh, man. And here, here's a freaky fact. I mean, that show only ran from 76 to 79. Really? But when that show started, Donnie was only 18 years old. Yeah. And Marie was only 16. Oh, they were kids. They Total were kids. Total kids. Yeah. And they had this whole thing where, like, she was the country one, he was the rock and roll. Thus, they're, they're famous duet. I'm a little bit country. She's a little right. rock and roll, whatever. Right. And uh, they would specifically, and I had forgotten this until I read about it, they would always open with like an ice skating number. <laughs> I, I, that had just fallen out of my head. I was like, wow. holy crap, they did. And then they would have like a musical number. There'd be really, really bad comedy skits about movies and books and, and t- right. other TV shows. Right. And just stupid yokel humor because everything was so sanitized. Oh, yeah. You would have unobtrusive series regulars like one of our show's favorites, Mr. Paul Lynn. Indeed. And I'm, I'm sure one of your comedy icons, Miss Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> and they would appear as regulars. I mean, just... Well, well, what's what's hilarious to me and, you know, is it hallmark of that era was what they were putting on TV and what was coming out you know the front, if you will, and what was really going on had to be amazing. Your Saint Marie was coked up. Uh, she well, did coke with Carrie Fisher. Is that what you're saying? You no, know, it was it was the <laughs> '70s, man. You know, wow. shit happened. People did stuff, but yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Years later, you know, so many of the the shows that were just you know iconic of that era. You know, it came out, all the scandalous shit sure, that was going sure. on. Brady Bunch, yep. classic example. But, you know, that was the thing, the wholesome, you know, put it out there thing. And, you know, I'd be lying if, if I said I didn't watch Donnie Marie on a regular basis. And at the end of every episode, a cavalcade of balloons fall from the ceiling. Yeah. Red, white, and blue balloons. Again, I had forgotten that until I read it. I was like, oh, my God, yes, balloons. I- iconic of that era. <laughs> Absolutely iconic. So there are our top three. We kind of just... Barely nailed our time frame for that one. <laughs> and we're going to jump right into, yes, the third gem of the show. Oh, and this is a good one. And when I say it that way, yeah, guess what, folks? There is a fourth. No, there is another. But first, the third one, one that we uh, listened to together and undeniably had to put in because it met our one-hit wonders and it met our, our 70s. Just just so, just so screams the 1970s. And here we have a very Glenn Fry looking Jay Ferguson? Yes. Yes, doing Thunder Island. So enjoy this little earworm, folks, and we'll be back in a couple more minutes with a bit of a wrap-up and stuff. Trying in the sunshine 
I could take a vacation. Wow. I would like to go to Thunder Island. <laughs> if, that, if that doesn't take you back to the summer of 77, man, Oof. nothing will. It is. Nothing it's just, will. It's just, I don't know what it is about the sound of the 70s. I sound like one of those cheap KTL collections now. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it takes you back. His shit was just so simple. Well, it, it's like we were talking about, you know, before the show, our memories are the summertime. Right. In the 1970s. And it, it's, it's this careless, free... And it's something kind we of can thing. all relate to because it's stuff that we all did. I yeah. mean, shit. Bob Seger made millions off of writing lyrics about coming of age and being a teen that every single person went through, no matter where you were from. And some of these cats, I mean, the really good ones, can even cross you know, racial divides and, and different economic you know, brackets. The stuff that we could all relate to. Yeah. And that was something that the 70s did well. And I think they, they kind of lost it after that. Yeah. Because everything yeah. like... Yeah, music like everything else became very secular. Well, I was going to say summertime in the 70s until Jaws came along, but... Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I am not swimming out to Thunder Island. <laughs> Caveat. Yes, Thunder Island, unless the shark <laughs> right. bites your ass in half. So again, that's uh, our friend uh, Jay Ferguson looking so much like either an extra on Love Boat or uh, uh, a walk-on cameo in the Regal Beagle on Three's Company. We were not going to get out of this episode without a Love Boat reference. <laughs> or Three's Company. One. Indeed. The Regal Beagle. Or Fantasy Island. Yeah, Fantasy Island. Yes. And uh, let's Tell see. us about Jay Ferguson, John. Well, there's not a, not a whole lot there. I mean, the song came out in 77 yeah. uh, off the uh, album by the same name. Okay. But the funny thing is, it is such a quirky little 70s iconic earworm yeah. that it has continued to live on, uh, it was featured in the movie Anchorman 2, Legend of Ron Burgundy, Um, series Breaking Bad, Wow, and even something as avant-garde as an episode of Family Guy. Damn. So, I mean, there's your pedigree right there. There's credibility. So it's not just this nerd that takes it. (laughs) It's a whole lot of influential nerds. Nice. Nice. All right. So what's yes. going on in Big Boom Radio this week, John? Well, as a quick rack up, we're we're, we're still doing the uh, the migration to the station. Wrap up. Wrap rack up. up. This is a god last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is uh, that that's up tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, to call it out. Edit. <laughs> Stop it. And we're back. Yeah. Edit. <laughs> Yep, keep doing the migration for the radio station. Uh, we're still waiting on some of the big bangers that carry us, like TuneIn, to uh, to get on board. Okay. It's technical shit. I won't bore the audience. Right. But, you know, like anything, they, they kind of make it difficult. Ugh. Just, yeah, just this is how this how the game is played, they say. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, it's still taking some time. But we um, here's an offshoot, you know, because we're now, again, commercial-free. I've had to go back and revisit... So far, every single episode of the Classic Rock Showcase, <laughs> because now we've got to make them a little longer to yeah. adapt to not having the commercial cuts. Yeah, which you know, you as the listener now make out like a bandit because there's at least one or two more cuts. I, I get was going to gonna say on. more of the showcase. That's that's a win-win. It you know, it's good for the listeners. It's tough on Johnny as it always is. Uh. Just woe is me. But I also added a new episode to the Classic Rock Showcase. Well over 150 episodes now. I stopped counting. Wow. The uh, the Winter Brothers. Nice. One Johnny and Edgar. There we go. Because, like, separately, not really a whole lot to fill up 
the hour of, of mainstream hits with. Yeah. But you combo those guys up, and you're good to go. Which one was the albino? Well, the kind of both the albino. Both yeah, yeah, but it was, you know, Edgar still alive. Johnny passed. I believe Johnny yeah. was. Um, he had the vision that was like 2,400 in both eyes or whatever because of the albinism. Right. right. But um, never stopped him from playing a mean guitar. And, and some of these songs I selected, both of them had really amazing, powerful blues singing chops as right. well. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of it, as I'm going through and listening to the deep cuts, very reminiscent of a Stevie Ray Vaughan type sound, yep. And yep. or yep. obviously the Allman Brothers. Yeah. But. Yeah, they had that little, that extra gear. Yeah. And on a couple songs, they were hitting these notes. And I literally was looking at my watch because I'm like, how long is he going to hold this scream? Yeah. It was, it was that damn good. Oh, I remember an absolutely stunning version that I think Johnny did of I'm a Man uh-huh. with the original artist. I think it was... Uh, was that a Muddy Waters too? I think so, yeah. yeah. And it just jaw-dropping. Yeah. How just yeah, and their street cred was just like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Everybody oh, yeah. wanted to play with them. These guys knew they lived and breathed the blues. Yep. Now, my, you know? my stupid Johnny Teflon takeaway from the whole thing, of all these amazing things that I could have used as a takeaway, yeah. I was today years old <laughs> when I found out that Edgar Winter had done a version of uh, Easy Street. Wow. Which I thought was an original or uh, a redo from like the 20s and 30s by David Lee Roth. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, well, yeah, they probably did it in the 20s and the 30s, but Edgar Winter did it first. All right. All right. And they Is sound identical. Edgar Winter of Frankenstein fame? Yes. Nice. That was, yeah, the Edgar Winter group, let's say. Right, right, right. Um, and I think the one way to the Easy Street was more when it was Edgar Winter and like the White Trash Band. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and it was like identical to the David Lee Roth version. And then also right after that, I'm listening to him do his version of Tobacco Road, right. which David Lee Roth has also, amongst many, many others, sure. did a version of it. And I was like, wow, I guess Diamond Dave had an affinity for, you know, yeah. winner. Yeah, well, Dave knew his shit, man. Yeah. You know, he really I thought did. he just copied off of Black Oak, Arkansas, but apparently <laughs> it was more widespread than nah, that. Nah, a little deeper than that, Yeah, I think. but it, yeah. it's all good. So nice. that's what's going on with that. Okay. And, uh, well, why don't you tell the, the good folks at home about our special added attraction this episode. Well, this is, this is one of the rare episodes where we're going to do that mythical fourth gem. Mythical. And I think it's, it's very appropriate considering the topic matter of, of tonight, the 70s and whatnot. Uh, we're going to do a little blues image tune that uh, is an invitation to ride along to a new land uh, where we can all be free. And if you don't know it, obviously, I am referring to the song Ride, Captain Ride. Oh, such a 70s staple. And talking about pedigrees, I do remember this being played in the Anchorman movie as well, the nice. first one. There we go. And it's just always been one of my favorites. So when you suggest it, I was like, okay, okay, he's got <laughs> one up on me. Next. <laughs> Yeah, this was a slam dunk. There was no debate on this one. Credit yeah. to Johnny's uh, musical chops. Uh, take us out, John. All right, brother. Enjoy this one, everybody. And thank you for joining us on a special trip down Mary Lane in the 70s. As always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Shanley. And we will see you all on the flip side.